you are listening to The Janine Garner Show. Janine is a leading expert on leadership and driving influence through networking and collaboration, passionate about bringing brilliant people together to achieve remarkable results. Join Janine Garner as she shares insights, interviews and conversations, and let's together make the remarkable happen. Welcome to the latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance. I'm your host, Janine Garner, and it's an absolute pleasure to welcome you to yet another episode. During this podcast, I speak to game changers, thought leaders, opinion makers, philanthropists, incredible business uh, experts, and business owners, leaders, anyone you can think of. The purpose of this podcast is I want to unlock where their brilliance came from. What were the things that shaped them, that uh, drove them to build the life and the business and to do the work that they are doing now. I want to understand whether there is a golden thread that runs through those things. And I really love to try and uncover that moment when they stepped into their spotlight to unleash their brilliance and what they've learned through their own journeys. And it's such a pleasure to bring you my latest guest, Rebecca Saunders. At the age of 22, Rebecca packed a small bag and booked a one-way ticket from the UK to Sydney. All she had was her laptop and $500 in her pocket as she boarded that plane. She had a dream of living in Australia and building her own company to sponsor herself to stay here. And if you fast forward a decade and look at what Rebecca has actually achieved in this last decade, she's actually built a global production company. She has a purpose-built film studio in Sydney where she produces live virtual events and education content. And she also has a whole heap of online courses, including her signature program, The Video Accelerator, which is about helping make video journeys just that little bit easier. Um, It's such a pleasure to share Rebecca's story. And as you listen to this podcast, you'll start to understand all of the stuff that she experienced as a child, the journey and the things, the very things that have driven her to achieve what she's already achieved. And what's really exciting is actually only in these last couple of months has she finally done full circle and relaunched herself to the world um, as exactly as Rebecca Saunders should be, should look in her absolute, true, real and authentic self. I love this conversation. There is so much deliciousness in it. We talk about how we've got to be selfish to be smart and make sure we put profit first. We talk about uh, the ability to quit overcomplicating everything. We discuss how flexibility is needed as uh, we evolve and change in this uh, very complex um, environment that we're all navigating and all operating in. And we talk at length about how honest conversations are actually needed because it's in that honesty that it enables every single one of us to grow. So, Let me introduce you to the incredible Rebecca Saunders, described by so many of her clients as a video ninja, a sought-after video strategist who is all about building brands with impactful video content and live virtual events. Please welcome Rebecca Saunders. Hello, hello, Becca Saunders. I am so excited that you are finally on my podcast. 
Thanks for joining me today. (laughs) So excited. I've wanted to be in this hot seat forever. (laughs) It's been ridiculous. We were just uh, chatting off air that we've known each other and worked together probably for about six years now. And, you know, reflecting on that time of where both of us were in terms of our lives and business journey six years ago to where we're at now and what I get excited about is knowing where you're heading Uh, you know it's phenomenal isn't it when you take that time just to reflect just a step back even six years ago um, even a year ago you know thinking about where we were a year ago or even two years ago you're right the reflection piece stepping back and going oh my gosh that was actually a really long time ago that feels like yesterday (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you think um, about all those fears and tribulations and business challenges and looking back, you go, yeah, we got through it. We can get through anything. Yeah, that pretty <laughs> much sums it up. You're right. Yeah. Gosh, if we knew it was coming, we wouldn't do it, would we, really? Oh, no. No, we absolutely wouldn't. But I'm super excited to have you on the show today. Um, you know, as I said, I've known you for a very long time. Uh, we've worked together uh, both as in a, a both of us, clients for each other um, over those six years. And to watch you um, really step into this space of uh, self-leadership, of unleashing your brilliance, of building and evolving a business to what it is now is phenomenal. So I can't wait to share bits of that journey. But before we do, let's, um, I'd love to just do some quick fire questions. So the audience around the world can get to know a little bit more about you over and above your job title. So Becca, can you remember what your first job was? Oh, yeah, I can actually. Uh, It's a toss up because I don't know if you consider a paper round as a first job, although that was one of my first jobs and it's very different. So in the UK, I did the morning paper round. So, you know, you used to get like the weekly papers that was just the average. And you get them everywhere, I think, like the council papers that get delivered and no one really reads them. Um, I did the morning papers and delivered them on my push bike to big fancy houses around the area, which was quite fun. But the job that um, springs to mind when you said that was I worked in a pharmacy as a pharmacy assistant at the age of 14. Wow. Pharmacy is a pharmacy assistant. Where are you from originally? Because obviously that isn't an Aussie accent. Where are you from originally? Originally a little village called Hazelmere in Buckinghamshire in England. The UK. How long have you been in, in Australia, the- Becca? Oh, a decade. Wow. 11, oh, yeah, almost to the day that right now is a decade of when I arrived. And can you yeah. remember what made you come here? What was the what was the point where you went, I'm going to move to Australia and I'm going to start my life over there? So I was, I'm very fortunate that my mum's brother lives over here. So he moved over to Sydney when I was two. I still to this day visually remember the sort of goodbye, he's on a plane, you know, that kind of thing. So we were very lucky to come out here almost on a two to three year basis, fly over, spend summer holidays over here um, because there was accommodation for us to be. You know, it was, you know, I would say affordable in brackets. I know flying the other side of the world is quite an extravagance, but, um, and I just knew I wanted to live here. Just absolutely knew that was the place to be. So um, at 22, I packed a bag and booked a one-way ticket to Sydney 
with a working holiday visa. And I quite literally closed the door on my house and left it fully furnished everything, obviously empty the fridge, but I did, (laughs) but I did literally just pack a bag, shut the door and get on a plane. That's pretty much, well, from what I know of you, you've been doing that ever since of just making decisions and and going for it. But before we go into what you're, you're doing now, um, Actually, for the record, just quickly tell people what it is that you do now. What what is the what is the official job title of Becca Saunders right now? So the official title right now, which I have been given by my clients lovingly, is Video Ninja. Um, so across what we do, I specialize in live virtual events, video production, um, and helping people get confident in front of the camera. And I'm imagining right now virtual events are taking off given we're all stuck at home doing events on our computer. So before we get into that, let's just go way back. Let's go back to uh, when you were a child and the community that you grew up in. Um, How do you think that childhood has shaped the person that you are now, Becca? Oh, that's a really hard one. Um, I definitely growing up was in a family unit, extended unit that was very much, you can go and be anything. So there was no, I never got got up against anything that was, no, you can't do that. Or, you know, you know how some people go and move countries or do something and the family sort of almost guilt trip as to, oh, why are you doing that? Or you're going to miss so-and-so, or, you know, you're going to miss family dinners. I never had any of that. Um, so from that perspective, I've never been held back on any of it. Um, but then growing up as a, as, as a kid, when I, I think I got glasses at the age of three. So I was like one of those little baby kids with the big bottly glasses. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I got alopecia at the age of seven. So mm. for those of you that don't know what that is, that means that I lost all of my hair at the age of seven. So really, it's quite quite also quite sheltered I kept myself to myself quite a lot um and just kept my head down and kept going because as a kid if you're different in any way shape or form it's sort of you're the picking point so yeah like it was more okay well I can go and do anything and be anything anywhere and so over time I've just fledged into that but um I would say very fortunate to have such positivity around me to go and do that I know a lot of people don't have that can you remember you you know you you sort of scooted over it but it's such an important part of your journey this uh alopecia and as a 7 year old as you said you uh were diagnosed with having alopecia can you can you remember you talked about feeling different can you remember or give an example of particularly as a kid um you know why when did that feeling of being different and what, what did it make you do? You talked about living a bit of a sheltered life. Can you expand on that a bit for us? Um, I think oh, it's probably one or two things that spring to mind in terms of what that meant for me like at school. But I remember being um, in a PE class as, I don't know, I must have been in primary school and doing like a roly-poly, if that's what you call them, and like, I remember that my wig came off and it was the most <laughs> embarrassing thing. And I, I don't even know if I can laugh about it now because I even that's probably the first time I've said that to anybody and this is going to go to thousands of people. Um, 
feel like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm so visual. I'm literally feeling it for you. Right? So, you know, I can visualize myself in these big ass plastic glasses, bottly glasses. My vision is shocking. I'm almost as blind as a bat. And um, yeah, and that, and I just go, oh no, like, you can't, it can't cover that up. That's really annoying. And then um, we had a swimming pool in our school, an outdoor swimming pool, by the way, in England was freezing. And obviously you had to do it. You had to do that. So my my mum very much sort of, you know, there was no special treatment. Thanks, mum. So I had to do the swimming. I hated it because everyone else had their swimming caps and I obviously took my wig off. But then that was a picking point because kids could see over the fence. So... Mm. Yeah, it almost became, I think, you know, if you're following me and you go and watch me now, literally this is the first time in the last three months, in the last 25 years, if that makes sense. So for the last three months, I haven't worn a wig at all. Mm. Haven't done that in 25 years. I've done mm. physical activity, wearing wigs. I've done, even bought them to go swimming in. Like that. Like that's how much I didn't want to be different. Mm. Were you teased at school? Did people tease you? Yeah, yeah, but I've learned. I just learned to sort of bl- block it out and blinker it. I do remember walking down the school corridor once, and someone shouted out, oh, "I think it was Old Deirdre or something like that." And I was like, well, "That's a weird thing to say." Carried on walking, and someone said to me, "Yeah, that's really offensive." I said, "Why?" She said, "Oh, because there's a character in this soap opera that's got no hair because they've got cancer or whatever, and they're just picking on you." Mm. I was like, well, more for them because I don't watch that stuff. So it didn't really have the impact that they wanted. But, um, yeah, just never been one to watch mainstream stuff. So mm. any of those mainstream pernickety comments were never really a thing. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it definitely was something that people would stare at and look and at. And looking through, so, you know, you went to school, uh, went on, did you go to uni, you went and studied at uni or not? Did you start yeah, work yeah. straight away? Um <laughs> did both Um, my mom doesn't admit to saying this she doesn't remember saying it but um so my my dad passed away when I was just before my 15th birthday and I remember at the end of school going okay I'm going to get a job and my mom went no you're not you're going to university I went I don't want to go to university I just want to get a job like we've got to so my stubborn little brain went fine I'll do both (laughs) I I did uni media and journalism at the local uni and um and I worked so through uni, I had three part-time jobs and uni. Yeah. yeah, wow. And you just said there you lost your father at 15. Mm. Um, how how did that affect you as a teenager going into those teenage years and determining what your life was going to be all about? Oh, if I'm brutally honest, and this will be something that I'm really working on unpacking, is I've probably just locked a lot of it out. Mm. Like mm. it's just been um, – you know, my stuff as a kid and then my little brother was quite sick was when we were growing up as well. Dad passed away. My mum's mum passed away a week and a, a month and a day later. So, like, it was all quite huge, which you now identify, right. I guess, as trauma, I guess, if you put a word to it. Um, just blocked it out. Mm. Just away you go. Because unless you've been there and done it, not many people been there and done it, been there and experienced it, people struggle to have the conversation because they have no sort of anchor point to understanding it. So it's particularly if you're a teenager and, uh, you know, a young teenager trying to form that, if you've got the kids around you that 
don't have any experience of that, you just don't talk about it. Mm. So just wasn't talked about. Mm. Just went on as normal. How do you think all those experiences, Becca, have shaped? Because you're a successful businesswoman now. Uh, you've moved to another country. You've rebuilt your life. You started a business from essentially a kitchen table and have built it to seven figures, and we'll come into onto that shortly. Um, how do you think, looking back and just reflecting back over that time, the childhood, the you know coping in the playgrounds, surrounded by all of these um, traumatic experiences as, you, as you've been growing up, how do you think they've shaped your skill base to be doing what you're doing now? I definitely think there's resilience, mm. definite, um, definite resilience in that. And, you know, also as part of that, just getting up and keeping going. Mm. Like I, I sort of sit now and I go, I have no idea how my mum pulled through all of that mm. and brought three of us with her, you know, like that's pretty impressive. So, mm. um, yeah, resilience. God, that teared me up. Oh, I wasn't expecting that to happen. Um, but, but yeah, like, you know, just keep going and life throws shit your way and mm. catch it, deal with it or bury it for later mm. and uh, keep going. Mm. Yeah. Which you have. So um, you came to Australia at the age of how old were you? 22. 22. And I remember when I, I first met you, you were like, I've got to make something work because I want to stay here. I was essentially <laughs> that first driver. Um, to share with the audience, what is it that you did? So you came with the equivalent of a backpack, but you had yeah. no job, no business, no nowhere to live. Literally my laptop, 500 bucks and like a dream to go, I'm going to stay here. I have my uncle here, so I did stay with them for six months yes. um, while I was here, but I soon realized that if you, when you get to know me, you'll realize this, I'd, I'd make a crap employee. I just find the issues in a lot of things of, you know, well, why are we doing that? That seems to be really waste of time or we could do it this way. Or why do I have to be sat at a desk for eight hours? That seems ridiculous when I can do the job in three. Mm-hmm. Um, so I very quickly realized that I wouldn't, A, I wouldn't suit an employee like an employment role um but also it was very hard to find one that would provide sponsorship mm-hmm. and that scared the crap out of me like can you imagine not wanting to be in an employed role but then being told kind of for your visa you have to be signed on to that company for four years to get to where you want to go like that was mm-hmm. uh, shackles to me I said, no 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 so I um <laughs> founded my own company to sponsor myself in my journalism role so yeah, I built my company to sponsor myself to stay here, which wasn't necessarily the cheapest or easiest option because anyone that's had a visa knows you've got a restrictions of what you can and can't do under that visa restriction for work. So I had to hire people to do, and pay market rates to do the things I wasn't allowed to do in the business. Hmm. I wasn't allowed to do all of it myself. So anyone starting out in business right now when you're doing everything yourself – wasn't allowed to do that and I had to pay myself market rate from mm. day one mm. so wow. yeah started a business had to sell work to pay the mm. bills there was no option so from day one you were hustling pretty much yeah 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 
Do you think, because um, one of the things I do, you know, know about you, I've always got to be very careful what we talk about, because if I give you an idea, you just get on with it. <laughs> it's like yeah. she's off and running. Um, and that's what I love about you. You know, you're you're the true essence of an entrepreneur and a business owner in that you join dots very quickly. You don't spend that long thinking. I'm not saying from a perspective of your, you know, your you're hedonistic and going for it. You think it through and if it makes sense, you go for it and you get on with it. And I really love that about you. Where do, where does that come from? Do you think it comes from those early days of I've just got to get this, this has got to work and one way or another I've got to find money because first and foremost I've got to pay staff before I even pay myself. Do you think that's yeah, where it all started? Otherwise I get booted out the country. Um, I don't. I don't know. I just I have a very – low tolerance of wasting time mm. <laughs> so I just I don't see I don't see the point in it I just don't see the point in wasting time so I've never been one to procrastinate I've never been someone to I mean you and I have talked about this from my business perspective I don't have that little thing on my shoulder that says oh don't know about that this could happen that doesn't exist. It just doesn't exist on my shoulder. So, um, yeah, when I tell people that, they go, really? You have none of those negative thoughts? No. No, if if, if I need to go and find $10,000, I'll go find $10,000. Yeah. And so it's, I think for me it's just a mindset thing. Yeah. Um, so what are you scared of? Spiders. Water. <laughs> <laughs> um. Spiders, water, and failure, I'm going to say, those top three. And I think failure for me is just, you know, I never want to be in a position where I can't pay that bill or I can't help that person or, I, can't, you know, I'm not in a position to have the door open for those that need it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, there's so many angles I want to go down here, but let's let's talk about that. Let's go back to the business because it is part of your personal story of unleashing your brilliance so when you started your business what were you doing in that 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 first stage when you started your business what were you doing uh predominantly um i'm going to call it script writing for one of a better term um and just network building just meeting people and over the years um it's gone through various iterations but 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 share a little bit more around what your business is, what it stands for, what it is that you do. Yeah. So I guess the essence of it is I believe that every brand is different, just like every person is different. So I don't do cookie cutter content. So, you, you know, when you go out and see things and go, oh, that's been made by so-and-so or that that style of shoe is that that brand, you wouldn't necessarily pinpoint it as me or my business as, as creating that content. And it's something that I really love that that's that's part of our DNA um so I guess starting the business we called it deli agency for me I'm a big foodie person a delicatessen is something that you a store that you go into for food that you wouldn't get in an average supermarket for the service for the care factor you know oh what are you making I can recommend this you know this ingredient for that dish rather than what you were thinking originally so that's really where it came from and from the get-go Janine it was a nationwide production team. I mean, I still to this day don't film or edit. I, you know, and I run a nationwide, sorry, global production company that's changed in the last couple of years. Um, 
but yeah, from the get-go, it was nationwide. So if I would say, yep, I could do that in Melbourne, find someone in Melbourne. And I've built that little black book of people and I've got a solid team now across the country um, to do that. And it's just grown from there. We, we work with large corporates on corporate content, branding content. A lot of our stuff now is client case studies. So you think about the stories that your customers say about your brand. Um, and we operate that across uh, Australia, New Zealand, the UK and America. And then I've got a film studio now in Sydney. So we took over uh, an old TV studio uh, in Piermont and now, yeah, have built that from the ground up to being a premium soundproof space that people can both hire and use for educational content and live streams. Hmm. And the next iteration, I don't know how, how much you're willing to share, but it comes back to this um, when you said what you're scared of and part of the failure was not being able to open your door to people, um, the next iteration is is that, isn't it, that you want to be able yeah. to give back to industry and help yeah. people build their businesses in I, this same space. I think having been forced into you need to pay yourself properly and do this right, mm-hmm. um, I've had the footing to do that. So I've always, you know, there's only been a small six-month period in the whole 10 years of running the business that I didn't pay myself. And that was a calculated decision of me and my partner of, I need to invest in team here and see if it works. Um, And that's what we need to do to expand it. That's the only time we've never not paid myself properly. But the number of people I see see coming into the industry and not knowing how how to even work out how much they need to do their lifestyle. You know, it's, I just need a few hundred dollars to pay the rent. Well, what about taxes? What about super? What about all of the other things or the holiday that you need to take? I just, I can just see now there's the crippling reality of almost, and and this is a whole conversation for another time, right? You know, the freelance structure or the, what's the phrase they use now in terms of picking the gig economy? Gig economy. That's the one. It's just going to, burn a lot of things um because people aren't thinking future proof and it's yeah that's what I want to solve so I'm yeah you're right next iteration on top of what we're doing already because what what isn't going to change definitely not going to change is to put together an inner circle mastermind with myself that is for video business owners so that they can um grow Mm -hmm. sustainably and profit profitable yeah Mm. yeah so to just sort of put a bow on that I think because it, it's such an interesting point that, um, and we're seeing more of it with um, this experience of lockdown and this pandemic of increasing amounts of people are setting up on their own, got multiple jobs, that whole gig economy. And yet what you're saying is from an industry perspective where you specialize, there's people doing work, but not necessarily building sustainable incomes or lifestyles because they're not structuring their work in the right way. And I think it it is um, potentially one of these unyet sorted out challenges that is going to come in the next decade of generations of of people that don't necessarily have that long term security, whatever we define long term security as. I see it with my kids. You know, when you think about the jobs they're thinking about going into, how they want to structure their lives, it's this balance, isn't it, between um, you know, that traditional 
structure of you're nine to five, you're working for 50 years and hopefully finishing up with someone with the freedom and flexibility. But somewhere in the middle, we've still got to make sure that we are doing the right things at the right time at the right salary and looking after ourselves. 100%. Yeah. 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 And it's just that future thinking piece. Yeah. Um, and there's no magic bullet for everyone. It's just taking the time to work that out and that's right. accordingly. Yeah. That's right. So, so you've been running your business for how long now? 10 years. People can work out your age if they <laughs> listen back. But over the last 10 years, you've essentially built this business from a, I've got to actually get my sponsorship to say in Australia to something that is now, um, you know, seven figures, working with big organizations, thought leaders, game changers. And, you know, at the start of the pandemic, your business, like so many others, was hit um, in terms of people's different needs, but you responded pretty quickly in that. You actually had one of your best years ever in financial year 2019-20. What do you think... What, do you, what, is, what is it that has made you, you know, what skills is it that you think when you look back um, at some of the choices you have made, what are some of those choices that you have made that have, that have got you to here, do you think? Um, I think some of the hardest choices I've made is scaling up and scaling back to maintain the ability to live the lifestyle that I want to live. Mm. Um, And what I mean by that is if I'm scaling up and bringing on team member after team member after team member um, to the point that the profit margins aren't there, I mean, we're not just talking profit margins. If you can't pay a a decent salary to yourself, Mm. you know, you might as well be what you're working for free to pay everybody else. So, the number one thing to learn really there for me was, you know, you've got to almost be selfish to be smart. Um, so yeah, the salary piece and then looking at the profit piece and, and making sure that that's there and understanding that. Um, and also just being very, just being open and honest. I'm very open and honest with my team. Um, also with my clients. I mean, I think really it is something you have to practice and, and nurture and constantly evolve and practice on. But why would you try and be three different people, someone at home, someone in front of your team, someone in front of your clients when, you know, God, that sounds exhausting even saying it. So if you can just be you and be open of this is what I've got to do and, you know, both energetically and um, emotionally say, hey, this is about where we're at, you know, be surprised how many people rally around and go, oh, shit, I had no idea. Like, mm. Yeah, let's let's step it up, step it up and move on. Yeah. And – What's so awesome about that is you've lived and breathed that yourself. Mm. So, you know, when I first met you, I had no idea you had the alopecia. As you said, you built your business and you've got a quite a, you know, outward public uh, brand that, that you speak and you write and you comment. And I don't think anyone ever saw you uh, without your wig on. And, um, I remember I think I think I think you've posted about this recently actually where probably for a good couple of years some of those close people in your inner circle have gone, come on Becca, come on Becca, let's see the real you. And there's this beautiful, it's almost like this this butterfly coming out of out of its cocoon where you've literally just in one day gone out there 
launched all your branding as the Becca we see now. How I've got a couple of questions on that because it links back to what you said around being authentically you. I want to mm. understand. Can you remember the decision point first of first of all where you went? I've got to do this, and secondly, did you feel the fear that you felt in that PE room when you did the roller poly and your wig fell off? When you made that decision, what was going on for you emotionally? First of all, making that decision, then almost going, okay, let's do this. Um, I think it's several fold. So five years ago now, and I did just post about this recently, so I know the numbers. Five years ago, I went, was invited to the Women in Focus conference, which is part of Combank and met some incredible people there. And I, I don't really know what it was, but I bonded with this fabulous lady called Kelly Carthy, who lives up in Noosa and very, we're complete opposite. She's so totally sporty. Um, and I'm definitely not, but, uh, <laughs> we just formed a bond and she said, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm taking a few people out supping. I was like, Oh, that sounds amazing. You know, the water looks great, but petrified of water. And, um, I think it goes back to that swimming pool, but, um, she said, yeah, yeah, come. And I sort of said to her, I'm really, really nervous. And I, I can still feel the vibrations that I had the whole time, literally just shaking. I don't know if it was nerves for the water or the, for the first time not wearing, um, a wig in front of a lot of people. But that was the first time that I thought, Oh, gotta do that. I think <laughs> you'll laugh at this. I'd, that was the first time I learned that probably should wear sunscreen because that <laughs> I do remember that was so bad. <laughs> so bad um yeah um and and I think just little small iterations of it just very small so you know within your inner circle group when we go away as that group you know mm. over the last five years it's taken ages for me to just feel comfortable in in doing that or mm. I used to, to get up every morning make up without fail put my hair on without fail and Alex came home one day it was like 42 degrees and he went why are you wearing your hair? This is what I do. Like it's 42 degrees outside. You're an idiot. Take it off. I was like, huh. Okay. Like, Can I just tell house. you that my vision, Becca knows me very well for those of you listening in, and I am a very visual thinker. When people are telling me stories, I just create these pictures in my head. And I don't know if anyone has watched the Crudes 2 movie. Have you seen it, Becca? And yeah. the grandma, and she's literally, there's that scene where they're all, the, the men have been captured. You're going to have to watch it. And this grandma literally takes off her hair and sends it flying, and it turns into this creature that literally goes and finds people that are going to help her. And I just had this vision there of you taking off your hair and they doing the same thing. Yeah. So <laughs> you're going to have to watch it this weekend. It's, like, it's hilariously funny. And then just over time, little times, just – taking it off or, you know, just being me. And then the pandemic hit yeah. and three months ago after a year, you know, when we went back into lockdown again, I can't do a wig and a mask. Like that's just ridiculous. Mm. And so that coincided with, um, I'm in several mastermind groups and, and business groups. So that coincided mm. the end of year financial year retreats with, you know, you guys um, in the Hunter Valley and then with Tina Towers group in, mm. Noosa topped off with business or topped off or somewhere in the mix there was there was business chicks in the Barossa Valley and being surrounded by all these people just sharing vulnerabilities and 
I was able just to be me. Mm. And so just, yeah, you know, mm. my wig travelled in the car with me all the way to Noosa and back and never got worn. Set in the box. And you've subsequently changed every single visual out there of you and your website. Um, I don't do things by halves. No, you don't. What's the response (laughs) been like? Oh, amazing. Mm. Yeah. I'm, um, we posted, I've done, I've sort of did it and posted it personally on some of my things. Um, but doing it publicly business wise, we did that yesterday and my notifications have been going nuts on all the platforms. So normally we, when I post things, I sort of spread it out across the platforms and see what we did all the platforms at once. And I haven't brought myself to read them yet because I didn't want to get myself all emotional, but I know I've received a few texts from people saying, thank you for sharing. I also wear a wig at work. I just wanted to let you know, like you've, you've helped me overcome X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, yeah, I, there's no words to it right now because I haven't processed it, but it definitely wasn't what I was expecting because I was, fearful of doing it for such a long time so what has that taught you about yourself and leadership um you can't be something you don't believe in Mm. um and if you know I constantly talk about finding your own style and leaning into the uniqueness of you on camera Mm. and in a way I wasn't really doing it. You know, I was practicing what I preach in every single area other than that one. And one of the slides in my presentations is Sean, the sheep, you know, be, be a Sean, don't be a sheep. Um, so yeah, I think really it, it's a practice. It definitely is a practice to get up and, and be confident. Um, our, our friend Erica attests to that one. Um, but yeah, if you if you can be authentic and just be you, oh, it's just it's waterfalls of stuff, really, isn't mm. it? Yeah. Have you seen a shift in your business, your team, and your clients since you've made this shift in yourself? Um, definitely, the energy is different. It's definitely mm. a oh wow, we're really doing that now. Like yeah, we are. Let's go. Um. And there's been a lot more, it's fascinating, um, a lot more leads and a lot more conversations. People going, mm-hmm. all right, I want to work with her. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it, did, it did make me laugh when um, uh, um, Cara uh, mentioned to me once, and I don't think she'll mind me saying this because she's the one that's been poking me for ages. So um, good friend of ours, Cara Atkinson, mentioned to me, she went, you don't have to pay for that though. Can't you just leverage it? Like just, just take your hair off and leverage, leverage it. Just see what happens to your business. I'm like, you can't do that. Goes, Why not? And that's all she said. That, that was it. That was the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's true. Like it's a standout thing that makes, you know, why not it. be, why not be you? So if we use this analogy of, you know, you stepping into the brilliance of you by finally just being you, not being a version of yourself that you think other people need to see. What I'd love to do is bring that thinking into your industry now and the business that you run. You know, if you could do the same thing of throw a rock at 
the 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 need to conform and do the equivalent of taking the wig off the industry. What what is it that you're seeing right now that as somebody that's a leader in this space is is something that you just wish you could shake up so that we could step into that authentic way of how we deliver, run events, build conferences, whatever it may be? Um, oh, that's there's so many levels at which I want to answer that question. So mm-hmm. I want to shake up specifically the over-technicality of everything. I mean, and that's not to downscale the technicality of what we do, you know, running a well-curated virtual event is like running a television show and it, it does take practice and it does take equipment and understanding of the skills and the tech. Um, so I think there's definitely an education piece there, definitely. But I think in, within the industry as a whole, there's very much, an, and, and I'm not saying that it's wrong because I can see where it's coming from. There's very much a feeling of, well, I've got this decade, two decades, three decades of experience in all this kit. I still want my half day and my full day rate as is. And, and, and I'm not disputing that in any way, shape or form because everyone should be paid for what they're doing. But I think at the top end of the industry there where the mentality is that and rightfully so be paid for what you're doing, there needs to be some flexibility in half days and full days into, you know, you just need me for an hour. Great. Mm -hmm. Here's an actual package for that. Or you need to come to me for that so I don't have to bring all my equipment to you. There's got to be some movement in that. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side of the industry at the bottom, like we talked about before, charging correctly because they're the ones that are screwing it upwards so mm-hmm. there's almost a tangle top and bottom from an mm-hmm. experience perspective there and then it's about stepping back and having just honest conversations about what goes into doing doing the stuff so for example when someone says to me what if I filmed it myself will that make it cheaper mm-hmm. the reality of that is well, no, really, because I've got to watch all your content probably once or twice to understand it, to then provide a brief to someone for them to watch it. So if you start thinking of all those hours, you might as well just come in and film it or have someone film and edit the content. So it's just understanding that piece, as we were talking about before we started the show, understanding how much technology goes into presenting virtually. You know, we've got all these speakers, thought leaders, you know, global organizations putting their leaders on st- on virtual stages and saying, huh, just go figure that out for yourself. Yeah. You know, I've seen people try and run a show with what, with just them and present something that I would run it with two people behind the scenes. Like just, there needs to be an understanding of what goes into it without it being, and this is an extra cost and this is an extra cost mm-hmm. and this is an extra cost. Um, I, actually, if there's one thing I have taken away from the business for me is packaging. I think I'm very unique in the industry to have a set package that's a set price point that's not, ha-ha, hidden extra, pay more. Mm. Um, so it's just understanding that in those conversations. It's that whole piece of, you know, having honest, the bravery to have honest conversations that ultimately will allow everyone to grow. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, what you're, what you're talking to there, we seem to have forgotten in our – um, desire to respond to what the market wants during this current pandemic. Everyone is reacting. And yet you wouldn't put 
somebody like me who hates cooking into a five-star kitchen to serve dinner for 200 guests. What you would do is potentially get me up to MC those 200 guests. And yes, that's the equivalent of what we're asking so many people across so many industries to do to not just be the master of their skill, but to also do the thing that is potentially taking away from that, that they're not, they're not doing. And it's either because there's an assumption that they can, or it's a a cost saving exercise. So I I love that piece around the honesty that's needed. Um, Becky, you just, you know, there's so much, I hope you listen back to this because there is so much alignment and so many golden threads from your childhood and all that experience to how you run your business right now, to how you build, make decisions now, to the actions that you are taking as a leader, but also as somebody that is building a business that is in service to other people. The, the connections are insane there. So I do hope you you listen to it. Um you know, some of the things that I've pulled out is the 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 point of being it's you've got to be a little bit smart, selfish to be smart. Um, you know, there's a there's some some glory, glorious deliciousness in that because I think so many of us think we're smart, but we forget to put ourselves first in this. And if we're not serving ourselves, if we're not doing the right things for ourselves, ultimately we'll let other people down. Whole conversation in there around profit first and your passion, um, whether it be through how people structure their products, their packages, the pricing, etc., is really key. Um, there was a lovely subtlety around, you know, quit overcomplicating everything. Um, you know, whether that's to do with the fact that, no, I don't have a have somebody on my shoulder telling me I can't do it. If I've got to find the money, I'll find it. It's like this this wonderful just get on and do it as opposed to overcomplicating either the solution to the problem or thinking through how you're going to do something. Um, a wonderful desire in your space around the need for flexibility, which I think is definitely what I've seen over the six years I've known you in terms of Uh, you see flexibility as opportunity. It's like everything is changing. The world around us is changing. Our team are changing. Market requirements are changing. And instead of jumping into that place of resistance, you see it as an opportunity to be flexible and evolve, which I think is testament to how you've managed to grow your business and your team and the impact that you're making. And that final point around basically challenging people to have honest conversations to allow everyone to grow and um, again how you've done that through your own actions as somebody that is out there in the market as seen as being a leader in her industry you work with huge organizations on a global scale people had a perception of who you are and in the last quarter you've literally gone okay if this is what I believe in I've got to start being honest with myself and you've put yourself out there so I just absolutely love all of that. If a um, couple of final questions, what's, you know, this whole podcast is about unleashing brilliance and um, that's absolutely what I've seen you do and I can't wait to see where you go over the next 10 years. What what does unleashing brilliance mean to you? If you had a final message to our audience, what would you say to them? I think it's definitely about, not worrying what others think 
I know that's easier said than done. Um, but when I'm talking to people about being on camera, you know, when I say the biggest factor when people are creating content for themselves and I'm talking to maybe course creators or people creating their own video content is they watch it and go, oh, do I really look and sound like that? Oh, no, not putting that into the world. And that's not what people see at all when they watch it. Um, so I think, you know, without, you know, stuffing the language barrier on this um, particular podcast, but, you know, just stuff what others think, just stuff mm. it. Like, mm. you know, what, why are you wasting time worrying what they're thinking? You can't control them and their thoughts and their emotions and their actions, but you can control yours. Mm. Yeah. Becca, who has been the biggest influence in your life? I don't my gut feeling says definitely my mum but that's definitely coming from a resilience perspective Mm. definitely from a resilience perspective um and and also for you know her mum as well was very similar in that perspective of go do what you want to do and I think and you know we you you teach this right so finding people around you that can bring you up, push you forward and saying thank you to that person and moving on. There's been iterations of people that have been paramount to where I've got to today. So yeah, mum has been that constant, but there has been many people that I'm not going to start naming for fear of missing someone. (laughs) That's the challenge, isn't it? (laughs) If if I could, um, if I could bring your mom onto this podcast right now, what would you say to her? Thank you. Mm. Yeah. And what would you say thank you for? Um, oh, you've made me tear up again right at the end. <laughs> um, just pushing. Like it would have been very easy for her to let me live a shelter. Like a, when I said I lived a shelter, like it was my choice. But, you know, to shelter me and be like, it'll be all right. It'll be fine. It'll be all right. But instead she's like, no, off, off you go. Like, off you go. So just... For ages, you know, when I started high school, she um, got asked as a parent whether I could do PE, like whether my alopecia allowed me to. I hated PE. She said yes. <laughs> oh, my God, five years, six hours of long you were in high school for. I got the option not to do that, and she <laughs> said I was okay to do it. Like, gutted. Anyway, I, you know, but it builds resilience, right? So, yeah, just – for just being there and pushing forward and not holding me back yeah I'm I'm glad she did because we certainly wouldn't have the opportunity to continue to learn from you and to have your uh your incredible smarts and skills helping so many others Becca it has been an absolute joy chatting to you today thank you for letting me share your story and uh, sharing all the stuff that I know that is awesome about you with a wider audience um Video Ninja Extraordinaire, how can people find you? Where's the best way that they can find you if they want to touch base, say hi, find out how they can work with you? So you can find me on every social platform under at the Rebecca Saunders. There is only one, the Rebecca Saunders um, or RebeccaSaunders.com. Becca, thank you so much. It has been a gift chatting to you. And I I know people are going to love this episode. Thanks for your time. It took me to take my hair off you to let me on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I was holding it over you. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks so much. We hope you enjoyed listening to The Janine Garner Show. 
follow her blog, purchase her books, or find out more, visit her website, janinegarner.com.au. Brilliant people, extraordinary results.